welcome back to another episode of Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. So if you've ever had questions about your church, maybe even become a bit jaded in your attitudes towards religion, you've come to the right place. Our host, well, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, and planted three churches along the way. Taught at a prestigious university and was an executive coach as well. But now, now he's a self-proclaimed aging curmudgeon who never quite tires of asking the question, why? The host of Church Hurts. Why not? Dr. John Bash. Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Today, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever spoken to an audience when I was more sure of their common condition, including uncertainty, confusion, and fear. This coronavirus has thrown this world for a loop, and everyone's struggling to get perspective. And I really believe that we have a guest who might just be perfect to help us do that. He has quite literally been around the world more than a few times and not on a luxury cruise package either. Meet Devlin Donaldson, currently the president and CEO of Vision Trust. Devlin, welcome, friend. Will you start us out, rather than me giving your bio and stuff, give me a little elevator speech. What is Vision Trust? Well, Vision Trust is a what I would call a Christian child development organization. And we focus on kids and um, in large part orphans around the world. And we try and help them with their health, their education and their spiritual development. And uh, the key to getting out of poverty is education. Uh, The key to living a free and victorious life obviously is faith. And that's the spiritual development. And you can't really have either of those if you don't have some basic sort of health, um, positive health situation in your life. So that's why we focus on those three things. Well, I mean, you know, there's nobody that could hear that and not say, oh, wow, you're you're one of those really religious people. I mean, that's spiritual kind of stuff. And and yet this, this show is called Church Hurts. We're kind of starting and saying, wait a minute, there's a lot of people who really struggle, but, you know, they don't tend to struggle with what you're doing. They're like, that's what the church should be doing. But before you got to that, I know you well enough to know, and you have a seminary degree. You're uh, not a psychologist, but you're a specialist as a counselor. You've been uh, a CEO in other places and just a guy who's had a huge impact on the world. I'm going to tell a few of those stories or ask you to. But first, I want to start with this. Devlin, there was a time when you really questioned a lot of this stuff. There was a cynic in you, and and you kind of questioned if this church stuff was real. Tell me about that. Yeah, so interestingly, um, I grew up in a church that my grandmother began attending in 1918. And (laughs) until about, uh, I don't know, eight years ago, Uh, Somebody in my family had attended that church consistently since 1918. So really a lot of family and tradition and relationship. And and it was a wonderful church that sort of lived out its faith, but it was a Baptist church. Uh, 
Uh-oh. And I think I felt okay about that generally. I think they were, you know, in retrospect, um, just slightly this side of being fundamentalist uh, in, in some ways. Although if anybody from that church would hear me say that, they would probably disagree. I went to a Baptist college. Uh, I love this story. I took a church history course from a, a Baptist professor in the Baptist college and realized that I clearly was not a Baptist. Ended up going on to graduate school where that's actually where we met and we lived together uh, during seminary. Sort of began to get my understanding of how important uh, worldview, philosophy, theology really makes a difference. And it makes a difference at the macro level, not really at the micro level that people tend to want to bring it down to. It's not the, the little do's and don'ts and the legalistic part, but it's really about um, how do you view the world and how do you view God's call to us to impact the world, the culture, uh, and other people? So how do you choose to stay in the church context when even after seeing the things that you did and having some of the skepticism you had, you got them answered, but then you you still went into church and still struggled with this whole church thing? Uh, absolutely. And, and I wouldn't say that I've overcome that. I think I still struggle at times with what does it mean to be a part of and engaged in a local congregation. Part of that is just um, personally, uh, for me, I travel a lot. And so I may be gone for two or three weeks. And when I come home, we're going to a new church. I got to start all over again. I got to meet new people. And I'm basically an introvert. So that's not like a little bump in the road. That's like a huge hurdle for me to get over uh, to do. And, and I think I learned somewhere along the road, and I'm not even sure I can identify, I think it was probably a series of events, that I try to hold on loosely to most things. And the thing that I really try to hold on to are what I think are the essentials, which are Jesus, love, caring, outreach, and, you know, to quote that old um, adage who gets attributed to different people. I'm not sure who actually said it, but it was like, preach the gospel, always use words if necessary. Now, interesting, your life rather than preaching has taken the path of actually preaching through really active words and caring for people in really dire situations. Right now, my peers feel like they're in a dire situation because the world has never faced a pandemic like this. But from the time you got out of grad school, you decided to apply your understanding of the gospel and of what it meant to be a Christian in an organization that was feeding people around the world. And, and you came up with this crazy idea. Tell us what that was about. Well, I didn't actually come up with the idea, but um, an artist had approached the organization I was with actually prior to me even starting. And um, it was a Christian artist, and he had somebody who wanted to pay him to do a number of concerts as long as he would give the proceeds away to, uh, well, they called them hunger organizations back then. And they kind of started down that road. And as you know, John, I was an avid Christian music fan. I was writing for Christian music magazines. And I just took to that like a fish to water. And I thought, man, if Christian music can really mean anything, 
And it can mean a lot of things. I, I don't want to dismiss any of the things that people think it does in their life, but it can certainly become a platform for um, taking our faith around the world, you know, around the globe. And so we started, when I started, we had maybe one or two artists who were doing some things with us. And I took over that program in 1982. And we ended up having, I don't know, 40 or 50 artists when I ended up leaving that program and generating just tens of thousands of sponsors every year to help these kids. Wait, wait, the, wait, wait, let me, let me interrupt you. So you, you talk about having 50 musicians. So the gist is you have these people who for a living, they are musicians and they produce back in those days albums. And yet you got them to stop their concerts in the middle of the concert, to stop their concert and talk to people about the fact that there were starving in the world and gave the audience a chance to participate in a way that they did to the tune of who you probably know, but hundreds of millions of dollars. But to make it work, you took those artists where? Yeah, I took them overseas. I would take them, you know, I've been to Thailand, Philippines, Mexico, Guatemala, Peru, I mean, all over the world, different places. And had them sponsor a child, let them meet that child, go to visit the child in their home, just develop a relationship, right? Because what I believe, and one of the reasons I'm such a strong believer in the sponsorship programs, is that the currency of the kingdom is relationship. And we can do things as a philanthropic effort, but oftentimes we're not really as fully engaged as we could be if we actually had a relationship with someone that we're actually trying to help. And so fostering those relationships, it wasn't really hard work to get the artist then to say, wow, I can use my platform to bring more people into a relationship like this. Let's, let's do that. And so I had the great good fortune of working with many of the very best Christian musicians of the 80s and 90s. And you also made it more personal. We don't have time to get into it, but we might another time. I hope you'll come back. Uh, but I wanted to, I want to, um, ask you what is we apply that whole principle and it's not just something you did it's a principle based in your faith of not just believing in a theory and you like philosophy and theology and um and all of that but to get down and do something right now i'm wondering even with the rest of my day is i'm supposed to be um alone and isolated and staying away from people is a one way I'm supposed to be serving them, right? People are starting to ask some questions behind it. How do you deal when you see all that hunger in the world? It's all the stereotypes that people have of how can there be a God when there are these miserable things that, that you've seen firsthand. How do you really put feet to that? Yeah, great, great question. I think so the, this whole thing that we're experiencing that you opened the show with this whole pandemic that we're facing, that is a terrifying thing for most people in our country. I mean, we're scared. We're not sure how this is going to work out for us long term. I mean, is our economy going to restart? Are we going to lose somebody in our family? All of these kinds of things. And that's a pretty new experience for many of us because 
we've grown up in America and we have safety nets and we have all kinds of protections and, and we've come to assume prosperity. And, and I think this will pass. I think we will recover. We'll do well economically. I think it would do very well for people to be a kind of reflective right now and think about what about all these kids who usually only have one parent, not all, but many of them only have one parent, if any parent really actively involved in their life, and just how tenuous their world is. And when we begin to experience that just a little bit ourselves, I think it can tenderize our heart, if I can use that word. It can make us more aware of how the rest of the world lives. And if we can identify with that, that tenuous hold we have on security and food and family and and all of those things, I think that's going to make us an even greater nation, a greater nation of of willingness to be involved and, and want to help kids who don't have all the resources we have. And what we're realizing now is no matter how many how much resource we have, it could run out pretty quick. Right. Mm. And these kids live day to day and don't have the resources to draw upon. So I think self-reflection is actually the place to start, like just how spoiled have I really been? And and I say that as a person who's, you know, done well in life, actually helping these kids. I'm not saying we all have to be poor and wear sackcloth and ashes and, and that, but I think we need to be aware that not everybody's had it as, as good as we have. And, and I think the church... Um, goes through phases, and I think we're kind of in one of those phases where we've sort of begun to lose a little bit of our international focus, and we're more focused on ourselves right now. And maybe this will just help us take a, a bigger, broader view of the role of the church in the world. Let me let me go to ourselves, though. As you try to get us off of that, let me go right back to it. Isn't it true that no matter what a person believes in spiritually, at least they will agree that there's something I know about them that's true, and that is that they're going to die, right? And so now we're facing the fact that people are looking at, yikes, but I might die at a time different than what I'm planning. But isn't that built in to the nature of life is that we really don't know about tomorrow and that today is where we really need to be acting. But I know for sure that statistic is pretty much one out of one when it comes to death. And I know that I haven't seen any hearses pulling U-Hauls lately. So we are getting to that, you know, really this comes down to, to me, Devlin. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of scared because I'm afraid of uncertainty and I'm a control freak. I don't have control. What do I do with that? I think that's a great step in the first direction is recognizing as much as we think we have control, we don't, right? I mean, if we could have stopped this pandemic, we would have, right? If we could have stopped it ahead of time. But I mean, life happens, things, bad things happen to all of us, right? I mean, I've had my bad experiences in the church. You've had your bad experiences. We can't allow those experiences, those bad things to divert our attention from those things that are important. But now I'm feeling guilty because I haven't done what you've done. I haven't dealt with all those people. And you made me feel guilty because you're talking about the stuff we have that all these other people don't have. So now I'm all alone. I'm feeling guilty and they're starving people. 
do I give out of the fact that I've been blessed or do I give out of the fact that I'm guilty or do I just turn my head and walk away and say, ah, oh, that devil one doesn't know what he's talking about? Well, plenty of people probably turned and walked away because they think I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll leave that to everybody to judge if this rings true with them. I think that we all talk about guilt as a bad thing. Uh, in my own life, when I've felt guilty about something, it's usually if I take the time, which I don't always, to think about why I'm feeling guilty, there's probably a good reason for that. And I think that's taking for granted grace and security and and blessing. And so I think whether you start from a, a, a posture of I'm going to be a blessing to someone else or, you know what, I feel guilty that I have so much I'm going to start. I think starting is the key. If you get on the journey, you'll end up in a place where you're giving out a blessing and and, and you want to give because you it's not about me anymore it's about what i see god doing in the lives of those kids mm, right and and i think it's so important in our lives i mean i've been a part of a men's group for almost 30 years we meet once a year uh, for a long weekend we all talk about our lives and <clears throat> we all get very self-focused and and what's god doing in our life and your life and all of that and we all talk about the inner life and the inner journey and all of those kind of things. But this old Lutheran pastor one time told me, I said, you know, I don't, I don't get this whole inner life thing you guys talk about. You know, I'm, I'm doing this work. And he said, well, the thing is, you think you're behind the curve. You're ahead of the curve because the whole inner life should drive you to the outer life. If you're doing the inner journey, it should lead you to demonstrate the things that you're learning in your own life to others. How can I do that? Because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people out there who, in the name of charity, aren't doing a really good thing. Man, I know the work you're doing. I just wish we had time to tell more stories. Just give us the simple, where do we find you on the web? Yeah, just go to visiontrust, V-I-S-I-O-N-T-R-U-S-T dot org. And you might have to look around a little bit, but there'll be a button there about sponsoring a child. You can do that. Or if that's like too big a first step for you, that's a $40 a month commitment. If you just like to make a gift, I mean, we're, we're struggling right now in this pandemic era. 11 of the 12 countries we work in are shut down. Schools are closed. Learning centers are closed. And we're trying to figure out how to get the feeding and food programs working enough to get food to our kids and their families. If you'd like to help, and we're also trying to double down on the health things we do. So we're trying to get more soap and bleach and cleaning products into the programs so that they can hopefully stay healthy through this. Uh, then you could just make a one-time gift and follow us and we'll get you more information. And But I think the thing is whether you're feeling guilty about it I don't really want people to respond out of guilt, but I think that if guilt moves you in the first step, that's that's not a bad thing because soon you'll find the meaning in it. Well, Devlin, I want to thank you um, for this time and that practical solution. This is a man whom I've been on my knees with and I've prayed beside, and we ended up deciding this Jesus thing was real when we really didn't want it to be because we had hormones raging in our youth. and. Uh, want to do all kinds of other stuff, but I am so proud of the life that you have lived and the passion you have for people around the world. And I'm going to remember in my own isolation that there are people like you 
that are out there worried about people in other countries who have it even worse off than we do. Man, you're a blessing. Thank you. John, thank you. I'm, I'm honored. That brings us to the close of today's show, but maybe the beginning of your journey. Because church hurts. And if you'd like to pick up the challenge and learn out more about Vision Trust, just go to their website, visiontrust.org. That's visiontrust.org. And if you want to connect with our host, Dr. John Bash, he's a shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. You can find out more about his work at standingstoneministry.org.